Welcome to Ben Don't Break podcast. I'm Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source Weekly. I'm joined by editor Nicole Vulcan. We are powered by The Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. Today we are testing out a new setup here at the Haven co-working space. We're very excited about it. Uh, as you can see for longtime listeners, the look is a little bit different in here. Um, but we're super excited about the audio and video quality that we hope to get. And so bear with any technical difficulties we may have in our new space. We're joined today by Jill Mahler. Did I say yeah, the last you, name Yes, right? you did. And we just say Jill so much that uh, <laughs> you know, we go there. Uh, Jill recently stepped down from her role as station manager and executive director of KPOV, our local nonprofit community radio station. Jill started her KPOV career in 2008 as part-time office manager of the then-fledgling station with a passion for community and uh, without any media experience. Over the years, she aided KPOV in growing from a small, low-power station to a Central Oregon institution, overseeing operations with a small staff and about 100 volunteers. Needless to say, it was an exciting ride and a great learning experience. Jill left her position in 2020 during the pandemic, but has stayed involved with the station, assisting the new staff and sharing her institutional knowledge. She currently focuses her time on reviving a neglected art practice and being a hands-on grandma to two just grandchildren, <laughs> while staying open to whatever new opportunities and experiences come along. I also want to mention that KPOV is also neighbor to the Source Weekly. We are we are in the hood together, in the little <laughs> downtown media hood. We think that neighborhood should have a, a name. Yeah. It's the, we've got the museum and you guys and KPOV and yeah. there's a library. There's yeah. a lot going on It's like there. a brain trust. It is. Information yeah. district. Yes, that's <laughs> right. right. <laughs> So um, you worked your way up from KPOV, from an office manager in 2008 to become station manager in 2015. Maybe just talk a little bit about that path. I'm sure we could be here all day. But yeah, yeah. I, it's a little dangerous <laughs> to get me started on that, sure. actually. But um, yeah, I, I, it was, I, I've been thinking lately, it was sort of like my empty nest job because I had raised my kids. I've lived in Central Oregon for 22 years now. Um, I'd raised my kids. My daughter had gone off to college. My son was still in high school. But, you know, I'd been working at um, administrative jobs part-time. My husband has a business. I do administration for his business and and just little things here and there and the art that I mentioned before. But um, I, I kind of wanted something part-time still, but something that just felt like I could put more into it. Sure. Like I was trying to do work that didn't require a lot of me emotionally because I had my family I was taking mm -hmm. care of. And I felt like I was ready for something that just sparked a little bit more passion you in me. You might misjudge that about the thing that wouldn't take a lot of your time. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, anyway, it's, it just seemed like a fun thing. It was sure. community oriented, which was something I was really interested yeah. in. And I knew somebody that was a DJ at the station and I saw they had an ad in the source, I think, for, for a a job opening and I thought oh man that just feels like the right thing for me right now and I applied for the job and they hired me and it was like 12 hours a week or something and um, as I mentioned in our conversation earlier you know the the treasurer was doing the bookkeeping and they were like oh she has bookkeeping skills and pretty soon I'm doing the bookkeeping <laughs> add a few hours add a few hours and just you know taking on more responsibilities and when the previous station manager Pearl who I'm sure you know mm -hmm. um, was ready to step down and move on with her life as you know happens in the nonprofit world um, she kept asking me you know are you ready are you ready are you ready to take yeah, over and I kept saying no 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 for a couple of years and finally I said yeah I think I am 
And so I just transitioned into that position, took some of the things I was already doing with me into that position and, you know, hired a new office manager to do some of the other stuff. And, um, yeah, we just, we shuffled positions around. There were only three staff at the time, so we shuffled things around. And and I, I have no regrets. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. Um, it was very stressful. It was a lot of hard work. Yeah. But um, it was it was really fulfilling. I learned so much. It was exciting because every day, you know, you, you guys probably have this too. You wake up and you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> it's dreadful, but, but there's that excitement around it. Like, oh, my yeah. gosh, we have to fix this thing. And yeah. how are we going to do it? And it was it was really great. That's great. Uh, I just got to the point where I felt like, you know, clear some space for to bring in some younger people and you know, I've done my 12 years, and and it just felt like it was time for me to kind of move on and, and, and you know, continue to assist the station to move forward in whatever way I could, short of yeah. being the station manager. Sure. Yeah, isn't it funny? We sh- I think we probably share this, that the things that maybe are the most memorable are some of the worst things that oh, happened. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, they that had a little. This. They had a little thing for me at the station when I was finally leaving. It was my last day, my last official day, and and they had the board come in and the staff and gave me some flowers and whatnot. And somebody said, "Well, you know, what's your most fun memory of KPOV?" And I was like, "I don't know." I'd be right. The things that stick with you are the things that are just the, when the transmitter quit working, when the antenna quit yeah. working. You yeah. know, just all that crazy stuff that happens, and you just you know, rise up to meet it, mm-hmm. and you don't have any idea what you're doing, but you figure it out. So you touched on those two things, the transmitter and the other thing. Were those the biggest challenges that you encountered? Uh, that was a question for I For sure, for sure. So the, the first thing that happened, I mean, it happened pretty quickly after I took over. I would say within the first year that I was the station manager, the antenna quit working. It, was, it turned out it was struck by lightning. So, um, you know, we had to figure that out. We had to figure out how to raise the money for a new one. This is expensive equipment. You know, KPOV was very much on a shoestring at that point in time. We didn't have the money in the bank to do it. So we had to do the fundraising. We had to, you know, figure out the technology, get an engineer to help us figure out what we needed. There was another thing that was happening at the same time. Um, probably won't say too much about this, but we were we were trying to increase our power, mm-hmm. that we, our power output. And um, as it turned out, um, our tra- transmitters on Forest Service land and the Forest Service in the end didn't allow us to do that. But we had these grand plans to, you know, increase our power exponentially because we have, as most people know, some dead spots around town where our signal doesn't reach very well. So, um, yeah, so there was that. So we had that going on at the same time, and we were like, should we try and get the equipment that we would use if we wanted to increase our power because that would require bigger, fancier, more expensive equipment. Mm. So there was figuring that out. And, yeah, it was. Um, there were some sleepless nights there. I believe it happened either in the middle of or right before a membership drive. Mm. So um, we were time, we yeah. were actually off the air for some period of time. Um, I yeah, I would say weeks. Uh, we were we were on the air, but so faint that you know it was like a coat hanger basically mm-hmm. for yeah. antenna. Only for the source, we were the only ones who could. <laughs> <laughs> we just opened our window. And then the transmitter thing happened. We resolved that. Actually, we had a, a donor and friend of the station who generously loaned us money to buy that antenna. Mm. And we were able to pay that off over time. Um, but not too long after that, the transmitter went out. And the transmitter, again, it was the thing when we went from low power to full power in 2011, on a shoestring, you know, can't afford to buy all the big fancy equipment, didn't have, you know, had a refurbished small transmitter. And 
you know, it just didn't have the life in it. So surprise, surprise, that went out and we had to raise money and buy another big fancy piece of equipment. Maybe we can, and that kind of segues into talking a little bit about the difference between community, nonprofit radio, and and commercial radio. And you've had a front row seat to the to the difference in those two. Maybe talk, give readers a sense of like, how does that really come to play? Yeah, I mean, I, there's there's things on on both the financial side and on the programming side, actually, mm-hmm. the distinguished community radio. On the financial side, we are supported by donors of some sort or another. We have individual donors who are our listeners in the area um, and our listeners who in other places as well because we stream and, you know, friends and family and all that. And we have grant support, which is also basically a donation. And underwriting, which is similar to commercial radio advertising, although the language is different, um, it's, it's somewhat equivalent. Right. And I'm trying to think, like, what's, there's another revenue stream. What is it? It'll come to me. <laughs> um, so that's basically, I mean, it's all donation-based. Right. It's just donations in different forms. So there's this whole fundraising thing that's happening in the background, and it's not quite like advertising. Um, on, but on the programming side also, you know, really the people that are running the station and doing the programming and on the air are all volunteers. There's no paid programming staff. Um, they did just hire a program director, so that's, and we've had a programming director for for a long time, but that's just an administrative person who's sort of managing all the moving parts. But um, the you know it's people from the community that are producing a lot of the pro- content. We have syndicated programming as well, as you know. Um, but but the local content is all produced by volunteers, and anybody from the com- community can come in and take our classes and learn how it works and apply for a show and do a show. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a very different thing. I. You know, I I wasn't you know I wasn't a media person when I started out. I have no designs on working at a commercial media any media. It was the community aspect that was interesting yeah. to me. Well, that supporter driven model has <clears throat> become. I mean, it was unique to community radio, but now it's such a big part of of what media outlets do. I mean, all certainly all the print outlets are doing it now. And, yeah, that's true. That's know. true. It has it has gone that direction. Yeah. Have you felt that in um, in the sense of how many donations or the volume, you know, how much you're raising that maybe these other media outlets are kind of doing that same thing? No, no. Uh, K- uh, KP- you know, KPOV is still so young and still trying to expand our reach and have people even recognize that we're here. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people in Bend, if you did a poll, still would maybe not be aware of KPOV. A lot of people, not that many people listen to radio anymore, or not as many, I should say, people certainly listening to radio. But um, there, I mean, there's just, there's a large swaths of people who maybe KPOV is just off their radar. So, I mean, we have steadily increased our support year after year after year. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's a lot of competition. If we have competition, it's probably more just in the nonprofit world. That there are so many nonprofits in sure. Bend that are competing for those yeah. donations. Mm-hmm. Like, so, for example, just having come from other, uh, you know, community stations, they would select their fundraising times when other stations may not be doing. Yes, that's that is like true. That. that is true. Oh, you're right. If you're thinking in terms of other, um, like PBS, uh-huh. yeah, we we do try and do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they do. I mean, PBS, the OPB is available in Bend, so that mm-hmm. is. And there's you know the the classical station out of Eugene. There are some other. 
community type um, nonprofit stations that reach here, and people do donate to them. But I feel like our model is different. Um, we are the local station, mm-hmm. and and what we offer, you know, the eclectic mix that we offer is different than what anybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. So and I, I've never felt that there was that much, you know, competition. It was more just how do we reach everyone? How do we let people know we're here and what we do and how they can participate? Jill, maybe explain why why is it that why is this media so important? Why is community radio, you know, such a, a thing that people are so passionate about? Um, I think it is the participatory nature of it. There, uh, with KPOV, it's I feel like with the founders had a couple of different objectives. One was just to bring a, information that wasn't necessarily available anywhere else, or at least on the radio airwaves, to Central Oregon. Um, you know, there's as far as talk radio goes, there's basically one station in town. The message of KPOV is different from that station. Sure. Um, and we offer music as well, and I think that our music offerings are also different from Super what eclectic. other stations are playing. Super eclectic yeah. because it's volunteer-driven. Right. The volunteers really bring in their knowledge of the music that they're passionate about, and they bring in their music, and, and it's just not anything that's available anywhere else for the most part. Yeah. Um, so I think that so the participatory nature of it is is what makes it really unique in that anybody can can be you can be on the radio you know you can get information on the radio that's that you may not be able to get anywhere else on the airwaves but also if you want to be on the radio you know you can come in if you have something that you're we interview a lot of nonprofits you know we get their messages out if you have something that you're interested in or passionate about you have that opportunity to come in and talk about it on the radio and let people know what's going on. It was a great experience when I was coaching the Ultimate Frisbee team at Summit, and those kids would uh, got in to get on a sports show, and it was their first time. Yeah. And they had their the microphone there, and they were being interviewed, and they, you know, treated the KPOV staff treated them like rock stars. It was that was a really was a great that was experience. a really fun show. I wish yeah. the KPOV had something like that. Still, that's the other yeah. thing with KPOV is that it's dependent on the volunteers. Mm-hmm. You know, this, the the administration can't dictate we're going to do this show and we're going to have these people hosted they have to come in with that passion and the willingness to spend the time because it takes a lot of time talk shows and music shows both take a lot of time to produce and these people are doing it you know in their spare time for fun right yeah so yeah if you know anybody that wants to do a local (laughs) sports show i that is actually that would be really great (laughs) he did a good job get the word out um you know we spend a lot of time thinking about the news side of what we do, right. even though that's, a, you know, really a fraction of what the coverage is for the week. And I think that's similar with KPOV. But, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about media and the landscape of media in Central Oregon. And is do the people here have what they need to stay informed? So I was just curious, like, what in your impression maybe maybe the community missing? Yeah, that has media. that has been a goal of KPOV ever since they went on the air is to um, be able to do more kind of local news. You, it is a, kind of a news desert out there. It feels like everything's coming from social media. Like social media is driving all the conversations that people are having, and that's where they're getting a news. I, I have to say I really appreciate the, that the source has stepped up and started doing those in-depth you know, real local newsy articles. I think it's amazing, and I think there's a huge need for that. And that is something that KPOV would like to do. 
um, as we know, news costs money. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to hire journalists. It doesn't, um, as they, they say, now KPOV's never gotten into like hard news other than the syndicated programs that we play. Mm-hmm. But um, you have to, it doesn't, it doesn't bring in money. People don't, I guess, buy advertising for news. Is that right? What I've heard, I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, it is an aspiration of KPOV's to do more news. Um, we, we did step into that the edge of that space with doing more community affairs programming with the mm-hmm. morning show, The Point. Um, and that can be very newsy. They do long-form um, interviews with candidates. And um, I would say the, probably the political stuff is the most newsy kind of stuff that we do. But I still have hopes that someday um, we'll be able to actually add a news department and maybe be able to do a daily news. They're doing a short segment, you know, every day that gets plugged into different places. Started with COVID. This is the COVID news. So people would have a place Mm -hmm. to know what's happening Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis. And volunteers are doing that. There's a couple people that write it and a couple people that read it. And it plays a few times a day. And it's, it's, they've added other types of news to it since um, the pandemic has calmed down a little bit. For now, um, but um, but to actually have you know do maybe a morning news program or do something a little bit longer, is something that that KPOV still aspires to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's needed more than ever. I, like I said, the, the source is stepping into that space. I think podcasts are somewhat filling that space, but it's still it, there's still a need for that and it's something that's really locally driven. I, I'm I'm proud of the syndicated programming that KPOV has because it is stories that you don't hear in other places, and Mm -hmm. it brings voices that aren't heard otherwise. But I'd like to see more of a local resource, really getting local relevant stories. I think think one of the things you're you're pointing to that, um, you know, we are all struggling with, all the communities across the country, is it shifts is having a place like KPOV where you have a hub, a passionate hub where you can have community discussions and you have some oversight, you have some editorial vision for what you're trying to do. And that's that's just a lot different. And you're held to a higher standard. You're out soliciting donations. So you've got to be on your A game. We we're selling advertising. We know we have to we have a, a body of readership and we have people who are yeah. supporting us that yeah. are looking to us to be at a certain level. Like certainly isn't true for social media, you know, where you can get on and right. <laughs> no one's gonna right. care. And I think um, you know, one of the things I think, especially uh, for yourself, having your finger on the pulse of accounting and seeing as these things develop and, and as you're raising money, you're, you are essentially trying to keep a, a staff over there that's volunteer. Um, you know, there, there aren't a lot of paid positions over there, but they're putting a ton of content into the community that's valuable. That's right. And um, I'm just, you know, that's got to be one of the things for, you know, we talk about things we remember and things we don't being, you know, some of the more challenging. And and that's certainly one of them, trying to get the most you can with, with what you've got in a small community like Bend. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we are very, very listener driven. We have to think about it. And it's hard to know who those listeners are or right. what their impressions are. And you do get f- some feedback from them, but certainly not all the feedback. There are people out there that are thinking, you know, they like it, they dislike it, they have opinions, but you don't necessarily know what they are because it isn't a face-to-face interaction. It's the radio. Right. 
So, um, yeah, we're very cognizant of what the listener's experience is and the volunteer experience as well. I mean, we try to really take care of those volunteers because if they're not having fun, there's no reason for them to be there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're absolutely doing it for the joy of what they do and the passion that they have for, whether it's a music show or a talk show, they have something that they want to put out there and and they they're doing it you know for the love of it and if it's yeah. not a fun experience for them then it's amazing how many of them almost all of them stayed during the pandemic when we said oh by the way you can't come in the station now but you, we still need you to produce a show for us and people started learning how to do it remotely wow. how to do remote interviews how to you know produce music shows at home and and they all stepped up and did it because yeah. they care that much about it it's the thing that strikes me about community radio is it just it's a passion project. Yep, I mean, it absolutely people, is. People there, they aren't compensated. They do it for love, and and you can hear it. It's what comes out. It's not a. They're not waking up at eight o'clock and and going in because they they have to. It's yeah, and I'm I'm grateful for how much passion there is for it out yeah. there. That people keep coming in. You know, some people step away and new people come in to fill those spots and you know my leaving I have no doubt that the station will continue without me being <laughs> there because there are a lot of yeah. passionate people out there that are going to keep it going and in, including you know the people who kindly donate their money to make sure that that happens as well. I'm sure they'll continue to try to reel you back in Jill. Oh I know <laughs> I mean yeah the board has asked me numerous times to be on the board and yeah. someday maybe I will but not today. So since you're, the station is, you know, still regulated by the FCC, you have the internet realm, but, you know, you're still on the airwaves, you have a code of conduct you have to (laughs) adhere to um, because you get to use airtime, what happens in this small station run by a few staff and an army of volunteers when someone messes up? Well, um... Well, depending on how badly somebody messes up. I mean, accidents happen. Mm -hmm. Stuff breaks. Things don't work. And people can't figure things out. And that just, you just move on from Mm -hmm. that. Um, If you're talking about people, you know, like maybe the occasional song with a bad word word. in it that slips through, (laughs) um, we have a process in place. our view is we mostly just need to show the FCC that we are taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. So we have a system of it needs to be reported. Um, you know, self-reporting sure. is is rewarded. If you say, oops, I just played a song, can you um, – hiding it, covering it up is never a good idea. Um, yeah. Come to us and tell us. Um, there's two-week suspensions that happen. It, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say not super often. But um, it happens, and we have a process in place just to show the FCC, in case someone were to complain to the FCC and they took that complaint seriously, we have a, can show them the process that we have and how we document it and how we yeah. dole out, you know, punishment, if you will, mm-hmm. for it. So, yeah, not, not my biggest concern. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens. You, you deal with it and you move on. Would that be a bigger concern than like something like libel or slander that happens? On yeah, libel and slander level? are serious. We've never had an incident where that really came into play. Um, you know, we have policies against it, but mm-hmm. mostly what you're talking about is training, just making mm-hmm. sure that people know. If a guest says something, you can't necessarily control that. Um, they're a guest. The, I think that the people who do the talk shows do brief their guests on, you know, the nature of the interview and what it is that mm-hmm. they're talking about. And that's, I don't think they say, don't say anything about it, but it just doesn't seem like it really happens. I think everybody's careful and um, the DJ's hopefully well-trained and know what they can and can't say or do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if it were to happen, um, I would say that person, if it was a, especially if it was an on-air host, would probably not be at the station mm-hmm. <laughs> any longer. But it's never really come up, mm-hmm. in my experience. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, luckily, I mean, we're I'm grateful we're not. The only federal oversight over us is on litigation, litigious things. Yeah, so we don't. Yeah. We don't get slapped on our sin. Of course, we do intentionally let the potty word get sure. into the paper. Sure, <laughs> sure. If it seems like it's, as, as in conversation, right. if it feels like it's called right. for, you say it. I mean, when sure. we may say it in the office, but right. not on the not air. On the and, you know, we're all adults and we can right. control ourselves in the right setting. Um, it's funny in that space how things have changed so much. I mean, your cable, your channels, your streaming channels. Oh, yeah. HBO Max, all that stuff. There. Well, people come in and we do, I mean, they do brief their guests on what yeah. they can and can't say. And some people can't understand why we would say that was a rule. Like, they don't right. even know that that still exists. Right. That the FCC that. is overseeing content. Sure. Nobody's watching network television. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It, w- it makes me wonder if that has led really to more of the pl- proliferation of podcasts and sort of this... It's sort of the social media version of media because it's a little yeah. bit more regulated. Yeah. The problem with us is, you know, that our, a lot of our content is music and the music is re- regulated. And mm-hmm. so we can't have music in podcasts. And if somebody says, hey, I, you know, I think my show would make a great podcast, you know, I'd say then you have to cut out all the music or make sure that you specifically right. have the rights to each of those yeah. tracks. And it does limit the ability to podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and podcasting is something that we got into a few years ago. Mm-hmm. We created a podcast network on our website. It's still growing. It's been slow growth. But um, to be able to take mostly the the news and, and talk content and be able to let people listen to that on demand and not expect that everybody's going to tune in at 9 o'clock in the morning to listen to that interview, um, they can time shift. And it just yeah. it gives what I feel like is really good content in a lot of cases more legs so right. that more people will be able to hear sure. it. And that's I, I know that the current administration at KBOV has plans to kind of ramp that up a little bit. They got some grant funding recently right. to um, build out that and get some of those really important conversations in that space. Good. Well, you're moving on now from KPOV. <laughs> Joke about being real then aside. What are your plans for the future? What are you going to do to keep this passion going? Well, I, you know, I have a couple things I'm doing right now. One of the at least excuses I gave when I left because it felt so awkward and I felt like I had to explain myself somehow. Um, I'm, I'm babysitting for my granddaughter. My daughter moved back from Colorado a couple of years ago and she's got a six-year-old who's in school now but a one-and-a-half-year-old who's at home and she and her husband both work full-time so I babysit a couple of days a week. Um, which is wonderful. They are gorgeous children. I know you haven't seen them, but you were spot on. (laughs) And I have an art practice as well. I used to be an artist or be able, you know, call myself an an artist. artist. (laughs) But but because of KPOB took a lot of my creative energy, Um, I just found it wasn't doing anything. So I've recently taken up tapestry weaving, and that is my thing. So I'm trying to carve out time to do Mm -hmm. that every day. And then also just sort of trying to keep space for... I feel like there's something out there for me. Oh. And I'm just hoping that it'll show itself at the right time. Yeah. There's going to be a, I mean, Jill, you've done a fabulous job over there. And Thank you. We didn't even get to a fraction of the stuff about the heavy lifts for getting those transmitters going yeah. and higher power and, could, and just the day-to-day stuff. I could go amazing. on and on yeah. about that, believe sure. me. <laughs> yeah. Before we met, you talked about 
um, just, you know, you had some younger folks coming into the station. Yeah, and that was the other thing. Mm-hmm. It was I, I really did feel like it was important to clear space for some mm-hmm. younger, different voices, different people with different ideas. I mean, I could have run the station for the rest of my life, and it would be joyful, and I'm sure I would do a good job. But I think, you know, younger people with, with different ideas, and, yeah, there's a new um, development director. She's been there about a year. She's awesome. Um, they just hired a new programming director who has been a volunteer at the station for a mm-hmm. long time and so knows a lot about the mm-hmm. station and the technology and I think she's going to do an amazing job and yeah I'm excited for the for the staff to just have some new blood and what do you hope for them to you know how do, how do you hope they grow the, you grow know the I well I think I mean I think because it's a nonprofit, financial growth is always something that you think about I you know the growing the listenership growing the donors and then, you know, adding this news program that I was talking about and, and you know, more training for the DJs and, yeah, just, um, you know, making it available for more people to participate in. So, more of the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for taking this time with us today. Well, thanks for it's, asking um, me. You know, when we talk about podcasting and, I mean, we got into this just so we could have conversations with fabulous people like yourself who've done such good work and we're such big fans, so. Thank you. For yeah, I'm time. a fan of you guys too. I'm a fan <laughs> of podcasts. So it's a podcast. Yes, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thank you.